the way I approach every sermon I preach and every ministry that I enlist in this church is very simple. Does it bring encouragement and challenge? Does it encourage people to build the relationship with Christ and challenge them to grow in that relationship with Christ? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. But I want to very, uh, very clearly, unequivocally address this. Our church, Victorious Life Christian Center, stands, believes, and will not compromise God's word. Okay? I was on the radio this last Tuesday, and I I meant to tell everybody on last Sunday, they interviewed me on the radio to ask, quote-unquote, religious questions. And and so they interviewed me, and one of the things that I did, I I spent the whole time talking about two R's, religion and responsibility. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason we have religion is because we don't want responsibility. This is why man has developed almost a thousand denominations trying to circumvent responsibility. The Bible is very clear. It's appointed unto man once to die after this, the judgment. And we all will give account on that day of the life that we've lived. It's either a life covered by the blood of Christ or a life without covering. You don't want to be the second person. And so in all of these different things, I, I told the man on the radio over and over, I said, If man would accept responsibility, we wouldn't need religion. We could build our relationship with Christ. Religion, very simply, was man's attempt to reach God. Relationship was God's attempt to reach man, and it was done through Jesus Christ. The problem that we have in society today is we're continually trying to escape responsibility. And folks, that's the church too which is one of the reasons we are living in the days that we're living. But I want to address very clearly, succinctly, without equivocation, the homosexual agenda. As you listen to one of the people on this video proclaim, it has just begun. It has just begun. I was asked on the radio, does Victorious Life hate homosexuals? Nope, we love them. Are homosexuals welcome at our church? Yes, they are. Why? They, how else are they going to hear the truth that could set them free? Okay? So we love 
That's what we do. God doesn't hate homosexuals. God hates sin. God doesn't hate adultery. I mean, excuse me, uh, people who commit uh, erroneous acts. He hates sin. He doesn't hate people. But the dogged movement of the homosexual activist in this precedent-setting event, unprecedented, I should say, of allowing homosexual marriage is trying to satisfy a hunger of acceptance, a hunger of approval. But I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear very clearly. This agenda that is just, or this, this unprecedented announcement will not satisfy for long their sense of fulfillment. And the reason is very simple is because God created a moral fiber in every man and every woman on this earth. There are no accidents. If you were born a man, you were intended to be a man. If you were born a woman, you were intended to be a woman. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the medical issues, but I'm going to tell them very plainly. God created man to be with woman, woman to be with man, to replenish the earth, to populate, to populate the earth. This, this longing for sexual satisfaction that is what drives the homosexual agenda in the guise of marriage will last very shortly. Why? Because they will still realize there's an alienation within themselves that separates them from the sense of normalcy that God created. Am I making sense today? This misplaced hope will very shortly cause even more belligerence as the sexual behavior becomes realized that it's not satisfying. The recognition of a marriage is not satisfying. Why? That is not what God created. God created marriage between a man and a woman. It never has been, never will be a normal relationship. Are you okay? So in that, you as a Christian will now be challenged to what you believe. As I've shared for a long time in this church, there is no such thing as a closet Christian. You're going to be asked as time goes on, where do you stand? And we're going to have to do what Jesus said, either before him or against him. You say, well, pastor, what's the big deal? It's their life. That's right. We don't judge sin. What do sinners do? But they won't stop there. The question will be, this is a normal life, isn't it? And you're going to have to answer the question. Are you okay? I've read many articles on this subject. I have a, a telephone uh, a conference call on Tuesday where we're going to be talking to uh, Central for Arizona Policy, Central for Arizona Policy. Uh, that's going to be, they're digging into all of this, which they have already planned because most people believe this is the way the court would go. So I lay this out very simply. 
that in the weeks and months to come, I don't say years because I don't think it's going to take that long, in the weeks and months to come, your Christianity will be challenged. And you will have to make a decision. I will have to make a decision. Am I going to stand on this word? Or am I going to compromise this word? Is everybody okay? I want, go ahead, give the Lord praise, would you? I want to help us understand exactly where we stand. It it is not going to be compromised. Uh, One iota. It's interesting, this all came out, and I'm thinking, okay, God, they're preaching my Sunday sermon. So if you will, in your notes, I want to talk about the passion and purpose of God's word. There was a young preacher many years ago that was preaching a sermon, and he asked an elder uh, sage, if you will, to, to critique him. The elder preacher listened to the man and as he preached the sermon and the young, the young preacher was very excited because he wanted the wisdom of the ages in this old sage, this preacher that is an expositor extraordinaire. As he listened to the young man preach, he went up to him with great excitement and said, well, what did you think? To which the elder statesman said, uh, the elder preacher said, I didn't like your sermon at all. Because it mentioned nothing about Christ. Now listen to me. The young man replied, that's because the text wasn't about Christ. And please hear this. The elder preacher replied, just as all roads lead to Rome, every sermon should lead to Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, If we are not talking Christ and him crucified, what are we preaching? There is no other message. God has not called us to be ministers, or excuse me, God has called us to be ministers, not minstrels. Yet ministers today, too much of the time, promote a media presentation more than Holy Spirit demonstration. A little statement that I've made for many, many years, and I started making this back as a young pastor. And it was something that made so much sense to me because I watched the whole move in the church. And that's where the thought came from. And I don't remember if I came up with it or I read it someplace because other people were just as frustrated as I as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel. And I, it came out this way that, that preachers used to be measured by prayer, power, and passion. But in today's world, they're measured by lights camera and action I have never considered myself a great theologian I have never considered myself a great scholar I don't even consider myself a great pastor but one thing I've always believed is that I am an uncompromised preacher of God's word I don't try to fit into somebody's point I don't try to fit into somebody's tradition All I want to know is that I'm preaching uncompromised from Genesis to Revelation, God's word. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it is the only hope that we have in this world today. 2 Timothy 4. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, (coughs) 
who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom on this earth. And look what he says. Preach the word. He said, whether it's favorable or not, always be prepared. With patience, look what he says to do. Correct, rebuke, encourage with good teaching. And then I want to go into this next verse. For the time is coming. And you know, if you write in your notes, which I hope you do, I would like for you to take a line and go off to the margin and say, and write, and now is. When they will look for teachers, they will not endure sound doctrine or wholesome teaching. They will look for teachers that will preach whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Let me stop there for a quick second. What Paul is telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, you need to know where you stand. And you need to stand where you stand. It should not be something you even have to second guess when somebody approaches you and asks you a question about where you stand. You know where you stand, and therefore, when it's time to stand, you must stand. And look what he concluded this fifth verse with. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Tell others the good news. Work at it, but fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. God's purpose, ladies and gentlemen, as we conclude this series on the authority of God's word, God's purpose is to proclaim the truth. When Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate asked these words, what is truth? Ladies and gentlemen, very clearly, truth is God's word. Truth became incarnate as God's word in Jesus Christ walked this earth. Let me get you a little bit into my way of thinking as a pastor, as your pastor. The way I approach every sermon I preach and every ministry that I enlist in this church is very simple. Does it bring encouragement and challenge? Does it encourage people to build the relationship with Christ and challenge them to grow in that relationship with Christ. You see, God's word is filled with passion and purpose. In doing this, I consider, or I set a considerable amount of time in preparation and attention as to know that what I am preaching will produce life in those that will hear it. In this, we find truth. You see, God did not call me to be an orator for man. He called me to be an oracle of God, a proclaimer of truth, a declarer of one hope, one purpose, one passion, one pursuit. You see, the Bible does not encourage exegetical masterpiece or liturgical execution. All it says is preach the word, proclaim the message, and in this the captive will be set free. Can somebody say amen? 
I am so amazed today at the pastors of society. And I don't say this demeaning them or tearing them down, but they face such pressure to do everything but proclaim the simple message of God's word. I have read book after book after book on church growth. And it addresses this issue that pastors need to address felt needs. But as a young pastor and looking at all this stuff and thinking, okay, I've got to talk about the felt needs, the woes, the discomforts, the displeasures of society. But when I started looking at that, I found that I would almost have to compromise my mandate if I was going to ever fulfill mankind's dictate. I had to look at the message and realize God's word is God's word. It is God's purpose. It is God's passion. Yet the world is looking for storytellers, comedians, psychologists, motivational speakers. And as these same books would tell me, I must stay clear of any topic that the people would find unpleasant or they may not stay. Friday's ruling in the Supreme Court, I guarantee will not be topic in many churches because it challenges people to change. Folks, I have learned over the years, I have, I have great admiration for great orators and those that, that with, with great exegetical prowess can take and, and dissect Scripture. I, I love, you, you all have been to Wednesday night classes and, and I, 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 I refrain myself because I love to dissect the Scripture I love to go into the original languages and, and pull out the, the meanings of things. But I've had people over the years say, Pastor, that just kind of goes over my head. I don't get it. And so as a young pastor, I believe that God began to deal in my heart and say, what you got to do is make it simple. Ever, ever heard the little acronym KISS? Yeah, God talks to me that way. Right? You know, Keep it simple, stupid, okay? Okay, stupid, that's a bad word. So anyway, whatever S you want to put on there. The reality is as a young pastor, I said, okay, I don't need to dissect all of this. I don't need to, to, to grab into the homilies and I don't need to, to uh, be, uh, bring the exegesis and I don't need to all these terms. And you sit back and say, oh, what does that mean? Okay. I don't need to do that. I just need to keep it simple. But what has happened because of this, because that the, the, the world is, is criti uh, critiquing and curtailing preachers to fit into their mold, many have given up biblical preaching in favor of devotional homilies that are designed to make people feel good. They have replaced the purpose and the passion of God's word with drama and entertainment. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a time and a place for these things. But the truth is that biblical passion can only be elucidated one way, and that's with passion and purpose. It can only be clearly established. If it's ever going to be given in a translucent fashion 
to where the man that stands up here on Monday is the man you walk and meet on the street on Monday, then it has to be established one way. A passion that is there that I can be prepared in season, out of season, or as the New, Interla- the New Living Translation says, when times are favorable or when they're not, I can stand to correct, rebuke, and encourage with the same doctrine of the Lord God Almighty. Can you say amen? amen. Because if we're not careful, and I want you to hear this. This is why I have this on the notes. If we're not careful in our preaching, if we're not careful in the exposition of our oration, if you will, we will soon be preaching a God without wrath to bring men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of Christ without a cross. This is where the world is going. And sad to say, this is where many in the church are going. Pastor, don't preach that stuff. Don't proclaim that message. I'm feeling condemned. Let me tell you the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemned is what people usually feel when they want to live the life they live, but they don't want somebody to tell them about it. Conviction is what happens in a person when they realize, I need to do something. Condemnation repels you from God. Conviction draws you to God. Real simple. Real simple. That's all you can get from me, folks. Real simple. Am I making sense? Christian liberalism is what they call it today. The fancier word is unconditional reconciliation. Basically, it doesn't matter what you do. In the end, God's going to take care of it. Some preaching, I agree, can be demeaning. There's too many people that preach too much about the problem and not enough about the promise. But we have to understand, according to Romans 5, 8, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 2, 4, the Bible says that it was God's goodness that led us to repentance. You see, God's goodness espoused through the passion and the purpose of God's word is what leads people to repent. But the only way they'll be led to repentance is if we share a goodness without compromise. Let me take you back to 1 Timothy. The Holy Spirit speaks clearly. In the last days, people will depart from the true faith. On the radio, the man asked me, how do I know that God's word is really real? And I told the man, I said, well, let's take God out of the equation. Let's take religion out of the equation. Let's take church out of the equation. Let's take all the spiritual aspects and let's just put the Bible out as a historical document. It is the only historical document on earth that has never failed. Everything, well, what about this? You know, up until just about 50 years ago, listen to this, just about 50 years ago, the only place they found anything mentioned about King David was in the pages of Scripture. Do you know the archaeologists are turning over hordes 
of things. Talking about King David and King Solomon and, you know, all the different things. Matter of fact, just about 25 years ago, when they, they, they started really digging into uh, 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 Jericho. Remember the story of the walls of Jericho? They started saying, oh, it was an earthquake and, and this, that, and the other thing. About 25 years ago, and you can go Google it, you can go look for yourself. About 25 years ago, the scientists, the archaeologists, the people over there with the little hammers and digging in the dirt, they said, you know, it's almost like these walls fell down on top of themselves. Just like the Bible said they did. Come on, give the Lord praise. Let's, let's get rid of all the spiritual stuff, folks. It has proven itself. And then he asked me the question of all questions. What about Mormons? I told Rick, I said, Rick, understand something. Before I ever got to the interview, I said, if you ask me a question, I will answer it. <laughs> and so he asked me, are Mormons Christians? And I answered, no. But then I said, not because I say so, but because the Bible says so. See, ladies and gentlemen, Paul told Timothy, he said, keep your head clear in everything. We got to know where we stand. Just like Friday's uh, uh, legal action, as the judges sat on the bench and adjudicated all of these great, wonderful, topical smut. I'm sorry. Five out of nine went really south bad. The four were pretty strong. And the one we all was wondering about caved. They will turn from the faith. Let me give you the digression. Second Timothy 3. He said, know this. In the last days, difficult times will come. People will love only themselves. They will love pleasure more than God. They will act religious but they will reject the only power that could make them godly. Look at the digression. Number one, the warning says they will depart from the faith. Okay, look at me quickly. Who do you think he's talking to? Christians. He said they will depart. In other words, they were Christians at one time, but they have turned away from Christianity. Look at the second thing. Dangerous times are going to come for the church. What happened in, in, in Charleston, folks, it's happening around the country. It's just Charleston was so big they could not not talk about it. There's stuff happening all over the country, and they're calling it workplace violence. They're calling it uh, domestic irritations. They're calling it all kinds of different things other than what it is. It is what is coming against the church, dangerous times. The third thing is that those in the church will no longer endure sound doctrine.
but they will force the people to preach what they want to hear. You say, Pastor, how does a person force the preacher to preach what they want to hear? They leave. Or they don't give. Well, I'll teach him. He doesn't preach what I want. I just won't tithe today. I just won't give. I had somebody come up to me last year and offered me a very large amount of money if I would do a certain thing in the church. And it wasn't horrible. It was, it was just I had to stand up in front of you and get you all to become part of something. He didn't come back to church anymore. Because I said, your money can burn in hell with you. You know that. You see, ladies and gentlemen, a preacher can be moved by attendance. A preacher can be moved by finance. A preacher can be moved by the amount of excitement in the building. Because I'm a simple guy, I always like to call it nickels, numbers, and noise. A preacher can be moved by those things. Pray for me that I never be moved by those things. Please. The one thing that I've learned is that God's word will draw them in or God's word will drive them out. And this is what's happening in the church today. Many have lost their tolerance for confrontive preaching. They ignore biblical teaching on compromising ethics. The human medium has taken over the divine message. Vance Havner, preacher of old, I love his writings and makes some very poignant statements. He says, the task of the preacher is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Number two, quickly this morning. Are you okay with me, or are you doing okay? Number two, God's first design is to proclaim the truth with purpose. The second, God's passion is to set people free. In John 8... The Bible says these words, if you stick with this, I'm reading the message translation, to those Jews who had claimed to believe in him, he said, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are then my disciples for sure. You will experience for yourselves the truth and the truth will set you free. In our text in Timothy Paul made a declaration to young Timothy. He said, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will instead follow their own desires and will look for teachers to tell them what they want to hear and will reject the truth. I remember reading a story years ago, and I I probably shared it uh, here because this is just one of those really cute stories that that I just, uh, you know, just... Bears repeating. There was a young pastor that was that was brought into a church to fill the pastorate. The uh, the founding pastor or the elder pastor or whoever it was had left. They brought this young pastor in, and he came up and preached on Sunday. And uh, I mean, for the for the uh, for their, them to look over and make sure they liked him. You know, you got to like the preacher before you want him to come to your church. Yeah. Anyway, 
So he's preaching this message and the people were just, oh, he was just, he's the guy. So they brought him back in and they brought him in. They hired him. They brought him to the pastor. So the next week he comes to preach and he preaches the same Sunday sermon he did the week before at his inaugural preaching, if you will. And the preacher thought, people thought, well, you know, when it was so good the first time, I'm sure he had, you know, he just wanted to bring it out again just to let us know it was there. The next Sunday came and he preached the same sermon. The next Sunday came and he preached the same sermon. The next Sunday, pretty soon the board thought they had a dud. He's got one good sermon, that's it. That's all he's going to give to us. What's going on? So finally the board got together, took him in the back room and said, you know, we, we love your, your spontaneity. We love your creativity. We love your passion. We love your zeal. But do you have any other messages? <laughs> to which the young preacher responded, oh, yeah, I got lots of them. You just haven't got this one yet. <laughs> think, think about it. If a pastor could just preach the same thing until everybody got it. Paul was never interested in the Burger King mentality of the Christian where you want to have it your way. He instructed Timothy, preach the word faithfully, passionately, purposefully. In fact, far from urging Timmy to garner the accolades of the world, Paul spoke to him about the potential hardships that he will face in proclaiming the message of Calvary. You see, the success that Paul encouraged was in rising up a divine standard. In Luke chapter 6, it says, Woe to those when the world speaks well of you, for they did that for the false prophets. You see, proclaiming the word is not always easy, but it is the only thing that God honors, and it is the only thing that will build people's lives. The Bible says very plainly that it is going to be the rock of offense and the stone of stumbling. It is not my prerogative, and I want you please to hear this. As your pastor... But more than as your pastor, as a minister of the gospel of truth, it is not my prerogative to trim and tailor the truth to fit an agenda for others or for myself. It is God's word, and it has to be delivered God's way. Don McLeod said, Preachers are not managing directors administrators, or counselors. We are heralds of God. It's not our job to invent or decorate the message. It is our job to proclaim the message. Let's go back to 2 Timothy as I begin to wrap this up this morning. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, Timmy. I love the book of Timothy because I read it and I feel like God's speaking right to me. Of course, there could be 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 10th Timothy as far as I'm concerned. I need lots of help. Don't agree with me, please. He said, God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity. He said, don't be afraid to proclaim the message. God will give you his power, his love, 
and the self-discipline necessary. And then he said, don't ever be ashamed of the message you proclaim. In chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, he said, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. In 2 Timothy 2, he said, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. A good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed because he's correctly explained the word of truth. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God's purpose and passion, and I want you to take your notes out because in your notes it says should be our pursuit, doesn't it? Is that what it says in your notes? I want you to scratch that word should. I was studying my notes this morning and and I was reading through them and, and that line came out and it's like God checked me in my spirit and said should. And so at the unction of the Holy Ghost, I scratched it out and I want you to place this word instead. Must be our pursuit. God's purpose and passion must be our pursuit. As faithful ministers, the whole of what we do revolves around passion, pursuit, and purpose in the proclamation of God's word. Colossians chapter 1. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church. How do I do that? By preaching what I want? By hand-picking certain things? See, this is what we do in, in religion. As we build an entire church, an entire denomination on parts of the Bible we like. This is why we have almost a thousand denominations. There's churches that call them New Testament churches. Well, folks, we're a New Testament church. We are. But can I ask you, where did the New Testament come from? The Old Testament. So that means we also are an Old Testament church. I kind of like to put it, we are the Old Testament church. The full Testament church. God has given me the responsibility to serve the church. How? By proclaiming his entire message. Once again, I, I, I quote Vance Havner, and I think I left it in your notes, that this guy was just, I mean, he just kind of put it right out there. He said, we are to preach sin black, hell hot, judgment certain, eternity long, and salvation free. This guy had a way with words, didn't he? In 1 Corinthians 2, which is basically the alma mater of, of what I do as a pastor, I know nothing else but Christ and him crucified. That's why I do what I do. So ladies and gentlemen, regardless of what the church gurus say, if we want a church that God is building and that the gates of hell cannot stand against, it has to be built and proclaimed on God's word. You see, preaching a straightforward message of biblical truth is not in vogue right now. I've had people over the years leave this church 
because I preach it too strong in their words. It's not in vogue right now to preach biblical truth, which is why Christian liberalism is rampant in the church. Why ultimate reconciliation has got such a big foothold. After all, God is a God of love. Yes, he is. And God loves us just the way we are. Yes, he does. He just loves us too much to leave us that way. Let me say this as the worship team comes. I spend more time preaching about God's promises than about man's problems. Let me say it again. I spend more time preaching about God's promises than man's problems. And I assure you, those that I preach to know that they must turn to the God of promise if they're ever going to overcome their world of problems. The way to reach our city is not to soften the message so the people will be more comfortable. It's to proclaim the message entirely, faithfully, purposely, and passionately that the price has already been paid for your forgiveness and mine. The world desperately needs men and women of God who will rise up and stand up. These men and women with the purpose and a passion to proclaim the only hope for mankind. Whether favorable or not, it is in this that God will set people free. I left this in your notes and it's on the screen because I purposely wanted you to hear it. The grandest point in proclaiming God's word with passion and purpose is because in this I have the privilege of watching God break hard hearts and heal broken hearts. That is a privilege that I go to sleep with every night. Watching God do what God promised to do and that was heal the broken hearted. And that is to see what God has promised I could see and that him, he would soften the hard hearted. Oh, I've, I've seen so many people over the years melt in the presence of God's truth and accept him as Lord and Savior when they declared they never would. They'd never step back into a church. They'd never step back with a bunch of Christians. Why? Because they met the Christ of Christianity and said, well, I mean, everybody looks like that. I said, no. But if you keep your eyes on him, you'll see him in all of those, even if they don't look like that. Amen. This song, 
kind of encapsulates everything that I've preached about. Because you see, God's message is not just in in great poetry or great prose or, or any of the terms that you can find in Bible colleges. It is in a simple truth of who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so I'm going to sing these words, but I don't want you to sing. I want you to look at it because this is what brings people to their knees when God gets a hold of their hearts. Amen? Listen to it as we begin to proclaim the truth of the message. When the music fades and all is stripped away, That's when I simply come Because you see in my heart I long to bring something Something that has some kind of worth That blesses the only heart that matters And so when I came to God I brought Him more than a song Because a song in itself That's not what God's looking for. You see, God, the Bible says, is looking past the surface, past the hurts, the pains, the frustrations, the aggravations, the anxieties. He's looking deep inside. He said, if you give me your heart, I'll give you my hope. If you'll give me your heart... I'll give you my hope. How many think that's a pretty fair trade? God, I need your hope. I need your hope. So would you sing that with me? When the music fades and all is stripped away Come on, speak to God. I'm going to simply come God, I long to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. And here we go. We bring ourselves. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You're searching deeper you search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into, into my, my heart. heart God, because of that I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the things things I made in. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. As the music gets soft, we're going to open these altars. I preached a very simple message. But ladies and gentlemen, understand, if it's not God's word, then it's worthless.
If that's not the foundation of your life and mine, these troubles, the difficulties, the struggles, they're not going away. But we have a clear mind because we have a pure heart about why we believe. So we're going to sing, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And I want you to come. Maybe it's just a rededication of your heart saying, God, I know these are perilous times, but I'm going to dedicate every ounce, every moment, every fiber of my being to you. Why? Because that's what you did 2,000 years ago for me. Come on. Would you come today, church, everyone? I'm coming back to the heart. These altars are open. I encourage you. And it's all about you. As we face the times that we face, we desperately need God's grace. We need God's strength. We need God's victory. When it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for nothing I've needed. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. King of Ben. God has promised that everything that we will face, 
that he will face it with us. We will go through, not abide in. But what God wants us to do is to stand up for truth. These last four weeks as I've taught on the authority of God's word, there's no compromise. If we're going to be able to stand godly in an ungodly world, there is no compromise. And you know what the world's hoping? Even though they may be rejecting, they're hoping that what we really have is real. And through the uncompromised faith and passion of the purpose that we live in pursuit, they may not today, not tomorrow, but one day, say there's something about them. They don't waver. And that's the world that we as Christians need to produce in our lives. We're in the world, not of it. I encourage you over the last four weeks to go to the podcast and to listen to this series because we need the strength of God's truth to stand in the darkness. So I encourage you, please, make a decision in being Christ-like to fully stand. And as Ephesians 6 tells us, and when you've done all you can do to stand, stand. Stand. And then it gives you the whole instructions. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit loins girt about with truth that's the hope the world needs that's the hope we have and God gives us the strength in that hope to stand Amen Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.